What's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps featuring your boy, your favorite champion, the one that's I don't know, the one that people will have all types of opinions on. I don't really give a shit. Um, thank you guys for tuning in the YouTube community, my actual true fan base, and the haters. <laughs> Keep hating, baby, because we ain't gonna stop winning, collecting them dubs day in and day out. That's what it's all about. Um, real quick, I want to give a shout out to all the fans that supported, showed love, um, posting clips, reposting, tagging me, who bought the pay-per-view. Obviously, I know a lot of people don't buy the pay-per-views anymore. Um, I probably shouldn't say that, but I know you guys, not everyone does. And listen, 80, 100 bucks, it's a lot of money. So I'm not supporting what you're doing. You should definitely buy it, guys. I know you should definitely buy it. But if you watch anyway, I think that's for me. Um, I appreciate that just for you guys supporting and tuning in because one way or another, I'm just glad you guys watch the funk show and got to see um, the total destruction of the cheater. Um, but other than that, I want to say thank you to all you guys. I want to say thank you to my sponsors. Of course, G Fuel right here, DraftKings, Sleepy Bear, Bow Valley Barbecue, everybody else who's played a part in my training camp, my coaches, my team, everyone down in Vegas, 10th Planet, uh, Cynica MMA, Extreme Couture, all my guys, especially the UFC PI, the nutritionist team, the everybody, man. You guys all played a big part. And, um, of course, my guy JP Bays down there, who's actually just undergoes, undergone surgery for an injury that just happened to him down in Vegas while he was training, a freak accident. Um, and, of course, my New York squad, my gang, Sarah Longo fight team, baby, Sarah BJJ, Vanguard, Check those guys out. So I just want to make sure I gave everybody some love, some recognition, because without you guys, honestly, I don't have training partners and the tools to do this. I need the resources. And as much as you guys help me, I always try to help and give back because I think that's what life is all about. Um, you should always be spreading love and positivity and trying to build other people up without trying to tear other people down so that you can feel better about yourself or so that you can get ahead. I think there's enough wealth and room for everybody to win in their own respective realm. So, um, for people that say they don't like me, I, I don't really get what you don't like. If if you don't like me, I guess you something about you because I don't bother anybody. I mean, if you don't like my personality, it's not for everybody. I act the way I act between amongst my friends and family. I act goofy as people will label it. I will call it pretty goofy. Um, but that's my persona with my friends and family. Those are people I care about. So they get to see the real me. Everybody else, they might see a, a, um, a little bit more of the guarded shelled version of Aljamain Sterling and that's okay I don't need to I think in life you don't need to please everybody and I think in life you need to protect your inner peace so it's okay to be a little guarded against people that you meet because you don't know what their intentions are and you don't know if they actually uh have good good uh vibes or spirits to to offer you kind of thing and no I don't mean that you need to pay or offer something in in terms of like, you need to give me something for you to hang out in my circle or to uh, meet me or shake my hand, like very cordial with everybody. Um, but I think you do have to protect your inner peace, especially in a sport like this, because people will literally try to tear you down verbally. And for me, as you guys know, I already like to troll and uh, troll it and ghost it, I guess, but I don't really ghost it. I, I troll it and troll it some more read some more comments. I troll it. Um, I respond. I respond to the good ones as well. So again, I make sure there's a balance. I can't just talk, talk about all the negative stuff. The positive stuff is what's most important because those people 
are the ones that I like to do it for. So whenever I do walk into that arena and there's people cheering, I feel that and it doesn't go unnoticed, especially the people who have been there since my beginning of my UFC career on the regional circuit, all that good stuff, man. It's been a, it's been a wild ride to say the least. And to say like, babe, like we, we started from the bottom and now we're really here. It's, um, I guess even for me, it's still inspiring and uh, it's surreal to kind of realize that I wake up and this is actually like my life. And it's crazy. I still live with roommates. I don't, you know, I'm still have my humble beginnings. I'm not like too good to do the everyday common person stuff because I don't know. I don't look at myself any differently. Like I sometimes walk down the street and people look at me weird and then I realize why they're looking at me weird. And I forget, I swear to God, I forget that I do what I do. I forget that I am in the position that I'm in because I don't even think about it. To me, it's just like a moment in time, then it passes, you know? Um, I don't know if that's good or bad, um, but uh, I guess that's just the way I, 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 don't, I like to keep myself a little bit more down to earth because uh, those, are, those are still the people I associate myself with. I still have my same circle and group of friends. So that's the way I live my life. But yeah, that, that was my opening intro just want to say thank you to everybody. And of course, I got to say thank you to my biggest sponsor, TJ Needleshaw. Thank you. I appreciate everything that you've done for me and my life and my family. Because without you being a total bonehead to actually think that you can walk into the octagon and win that fight with the injuries that you're saying because you've done it before. Listen, I've torn my shoulder. I've torn my labrum, buddy. I went through seven professional MMA fights. I won them all. I was 8-0 getting into the UFC. And before my eighth pro fight, I had the surgery. And I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of the subluxing that happens over and over. I get it. You're a tough guy for that because I know the pain that it feels like, what it feels like when it happens. Now, fast forward, this was all previous to my UFC career. Now, if you are trying to tell me and the viewers that this has happened or you've dealt with injuries before that were similar to this and you got past it and you honestly legitimately thought you could beat the funk master <laughs> bro i don't know what kind of drugs you're smoking or what other epos and pds you're taking but that is so laughable because i you must not have the slightest clue or you must be the most arrogant person to walk the mma land because anyone who could tell you you even had interviews with james kraus well decorated well accomplished great mma mind and coach who said he grappled with the two of us and he said he gives the edge to me and you still are that deluded in your head that you thought you could walk in there you show the one wouldn't pop out two you would walk through me Three, you thought you were putting me to sleep. I'm putting you to sleep. I'm using your words, buddy. I'm using your words. Don't worry. I'm calm. I'm calm. I just like to get a little animated because it's funny. It's funny. This is the type of stuff that makes me laugh. This is my real persona. I laugh at shit like this because it's comedy. I would have roasted you in the lunchroom and cafeteria till you want to just get out of there in tears. That's what we would have done to you. And maybe that's kind of bullying, I guess. But listen, man, this is life. Like, the world ain't always a nice place, you, you know? And that's why I guess I am the way that I am because you you deal with stuff like that, you get a little bit hardened and you learn to deal with certain stuff, certain things and, and grow tough skin. But buddy, how on earth did you think 
of all the things you've seen me do on the tape, because if you're smart enough, you watch tape, that you thought with your skill set, with your limitations, because I'm, I'm going to give your limitations, but still think you were confident enough to come in there and think that no grappling was going to happen. That's your first mistake, to think no grappling was going to happen. The very first strike you threw, or not very first one, the very first kick you threw, actually, I'm wrong about that too. The, the very first front kick you threw, which we were working on, timing that, prepping for that. I got tape, video, video footage. I've also said that on the Ariel Hawani show. Catching kicks left and right and just being spot on in training and sparring sessions and in drilling and just having the vision and the awareness to, to lock in and, and be tunnel vision and discipline to see reactional movements of the body down the chain and being able to catch and, and kind of preemptively see when certain things were going to happen. So for you to just completely ignore the fact, now nah, I get it. If we, if I shot in and then you got an underhook and you defend it, okay, that's a different scenario. But my brother, you threw a kick. I caught the kick. And your D1 level wrestling, where your coaches would have to to taught you, never turn away from your opponent. You always attack the hands, fight the hands, and get your legs back on the ground. You decide to throw a punch. You decide to turn your back. I ran you down to the mat. You posted your arm. Your shoulder came out the socket. This is 30 seconds into the fight. I got you in a position that was super tight and locked up where no matter what you did, even if you had another working arm, I'm saying like, just say you had no issue with that shoulder whatsoever. What would you have done differently? Would you have pushed my head? Would you have turned away and got to your knees to try to stand up? And in that exact position, when I took you down, what would have changed? Literally nothing would have changed. And this is the point I've been trying to make to people. Like, you tried to take the credit away to say, if you had two working arms, that TJ's approach or... I, I, they're not even saying the word approach. They're just saying it's going to be a different fight. But I'm, I'm talking about the sequence and the scenario that happened in that first 30 seconds. If you do this, if TJ comes out, he does the same exact thing. That fight ends the same exact way because the position you ended up in is a very dangerous one to be in with me. Had I taken you down from the single leg when I caught your kick and you fell to a knee and you were able to post and bounce back up, that makes it more difficult. That makes it more challenging. But you post and fall straight down to the mat, the fight's over, buddy. You end up in the same exact scenario. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to just make it make sense for people that don't understand what I'm, what I mean when they're trying to say like, well, you're saying that you fought a handicapped person. I'm, you weren't handicapped when you threw the first few punches. You weren't handicapped when you threw the kick. So you came into the fight with an injury. I came into the fight with pre-existing injuries as well. And guess what? The better man won that night. It could have been a different night, and TJ could have won. He could have walked through me. And guess what? I would have clapped. I would have ate crow, ate shit for all the trash I was talking leading up to the fight, and I would still respectfully. Shake your hand as a man and as a competitor and tell you, good job. You were the better man tonight. That's what I would have done. Now, if someone would have asked me later what could have gone differently, I would have given my opinions on what could have been different for me to win the fight. You lost. And the first thing you said was, ah, oh, my shoulder came out. Ah, oh, I'm sorry, guys. What in the hell? What kind of man does that to try to discredit and downplay? And to make it even better, guys, TJ... You know, I, I was respectful in the way that I handled it afterwards. Like, yeah, you could say whatever about the dancing and all that. Man, I dance after every single finish I get. So 
SMD. I'm going to keep doing what I do. And that's my personality. And if you don't like it, guys, guess what? We're punching each other in the face and trying to crush each other's skulls with elbows and knees. So talk to me about respect somewhere else when we're on maybe the, the badminton course or something. This ain't, this ain't badminton. This ain't racquetball. We're talking about a freaking full-on fist fight where two guys are trying to separate each other's consciousness to the Neptunes. Give me a freaking break. If you don't like a little dancing after a high-stakes matchup, after all the shit talk, when I get my moment, I don't know what to tell you. What, should I just stood there and just say, oh, you know, uh, get, get lost, buddy. There's a wood somewhere or go play in traffic. How about that? So going back, um, again, I think that fight does not – I don't think the fight changes. Give them two good working arms. I think the fight ends the same exact way. We don't need to keep beating the dead horse. People are going to keep saying what they say, and I'm going to say what I believe is correct. If the scenario, the sequence stays the same, the fight ends the same way because I end up in the same exact position. If he has two working arms and you're telling me he's going to change his approach from not throwing the kick, then you could say that. Because if we had a rematch, I'll gladly kick his ass again. So, TJ, if you would like a rematch, I'm telling you right now, I would gladly kick your ass again because it is free money all day long. Remember when you said daddy's home? <laughs> Do you mean stepdad? Do you mean uh, what What dad? What? Where? Dad, where? Dad, dad, where have you been? Because I've been waiting for you this entire time. And thank you. If you're going to keep doing this every time you show up, I'll gladly take the free money. 100%. So, Let's, let's be real here. You are just not the same size as me. You are older. You are not the same savage that you once was. You still have the same skill set, like as in you can still perform. But when you get older, we have to be honest. We lose a little bit of what made us who we were in the early goings of our career. And you got a guy who's younger. You got a guy who's stronger, who's bigger, and has a different set of skills that makes it very problematic for a guy who just wants to stand there and strike the whole time. That, I mean, that's a perfect recipe for success. I mean, not saying I could always win. Like, we fought 10 times. I'm saying I win eight, nine out of those 10 times because I don't see what would be different. Like, what would be different? I'm going to pressure you backwards. You're going to eventually want to kick because you're, you're, you're famous for doing the slip your head off to the side and throwing the head kick. That's like your marquee specialty move that you do all the time. You throw the front kick. You're very aggressive. But when the guy is pushing you backwards and you throw those kicks, it makes it easier and telegraphed for someone to see when it's coming and to catch it and to take you down with a guy like myself, a guy like a Ricky Simone, a guy like a Marab, a guy like a Umar Namagomedov, a guy like Jack Shore. Anybody who's high level in grappling would be able to do the same exact thing as long as they're not standing there stationary in front of you allowing you to do what you do best, which is your striking. And I give credit where it's due. Now, Fast forward to Cheeto Vera saying that I don't have a personality and who I want to be. I think that's like the dumbest thing you could ever say. Like my personality is who I am with my friends. When I see someone I don't know, I act a different way because I'm not going to give you all of me. Like you're going to get the, the version that I want to give you that doesn't want to interact and give you the full version of themselves. Who's comfortable with the people that he loves. Very different. Now, if you can't separate that I talk shit before a fight and then can congratulate a guy in winning and in losing, then I don't know what to tell you. There, there doesn't need to be any more animosity once the, the bout is complete. Once that time is done ticking and that ref pulls me off or pulls them off of me, it's over. 
I don't have any bad blood with any of these guys in this division. Like I said, I pre I preach love and everything else. This is a very dangerous sport, but I'm a gamesman. And if we're going to talk shit, if we're going to fight, I'm going to talk shit. I'm going to get under your skin. And if I don't get under your skin, okay, who gives a shit? But I'm going to talk shit. I'm going to raise the stakes to make it more entertaining. That's one. And if I lose, kudos to you. And if I win, I just prove everything I said was right. And I still can respectfully acknowledge you as a competitor and go home and go our separate ways. We don't have to be best friends. We don't have to get a beer. Like, I, I, like, I just, I don't even know what the hell Cheeto, like Cheeto. Yes. I remember who you are, buddy. I remember who you are. I forgot your name in the middle of the interview um, after naming everybody, but I did mention you. So don't think anyone's shying away from you. If that's what you do think. And again, I can respect everyone's skill set as competitors in the toughest division that there is in the UFC right now. But at the same time, I can be ready to kick your ass in the same breath. So don't don't get it twisted here, my boy. Personality, I don't even know. Like I, you tell me, I'm like I try. I don't. You don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. You like try to be like, like you like you this cool kid. You, you know, <laughs> there's a couple of people I could compare you to, but I'm not even gonna do that because it's gonna look like I'm talking shit about them. So I'm not gonna do that. But it is what it is. Um, going back to TJ, it's just fascinating that leading up to this fight, this entire mantra was. I'm building in excuses. So if you are saying I built in excuses and you go into an entire training camp thinking that you would win and you get smashed the way you did, like, what do you, like, how do you even perceive yourself now at this point in time? Like, I, I really have no idea. I would feel like my confidence would have been crushed because if I legitimately thought like this person that I'm going to step in there with was a non-threat factor or yeah, non-threat factor and, 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 the weight class and everything about him is from striking and everything else is kind of embarrassing and one dimensional in a perfect matchup. And I, I don't know, man. So I, I just feel like that makes you look like the biggest idiot that there possibly is in this entire division. So um, kudos for you for taking the fight and being a warrior and sticking through kudos for you for taking your ass whooping like a man, because a lot of people would have bowed out in that position when the first round, when it got tough, a lot of people would have bowed out. And kudos for you for being smart when I was going crazy on the ground and pound to tie my hands up and go two on one to, to neutralize me from going a little bit crazier. And that helped save you to stay in the fight longer. These are little details that people need to realize. And they're like, oh, you fought a guy with one arm and it took you two rounds. I'm like, well, I didn't know his shoulder was messed up. I was on top looking to advance position and I was taking my time because this is me thinking during the moments of the fight that this is a dangerous guy. I got to make sure I drain his battery. And then if he does manage to get back up, I could pick him apart on the feet and maybe even get a stand up, a standing uh, knockout finish. But fortunately, whatever, it went to the ground again and the, the fight's the fight. So people can say whatever they want. You could try to discredit it, but it's like you guys find some type of fault in all my wins. I'm like, like look at the resume. Are all my wins flukes? Like, what, like, what do you guys? Want the, the the haters, not the supporters, because the real ones they know, the real MMA fans, the ones that actually have trained, they know what's up. But the people who don't ha really have a clue, it's like, again, it just goes back to that. They just don't have a clue. So you can hear from the horse's mouth, TJ. He legitimately thought he can beat me. He has legitimately trained in other fights with a similar injury before. Because remember, he had two late, he had two shoulder surgeries. He got through those fights. He's won them, and a. Somehow, some way, he thought I fell into that category of 
I'm going to make this guy my bitch in, in this fight and uh, show the world that he's not on my level and become a three-time champion. And guess what? It didn't happen. And if it did happen, how much shit would everyone have been talking about me? Right? But now that that happens to him, he decided to get into the octagon. I decided to get to the octagon with my pre-existing injuries. Nothing happened. I got through the fight. But for him, something happens. And now it's a crush that everyone, most people want to lean on. So you could choose to ignore the facts. The facts are the facts. And you can say whatever you want. But at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie. I did what I needed to do. TJ made the, the decision to get in there. And the better man that night, he won. So that's my take on that. And again, still respect to TJ because as a competitor, it takes a man to do the sport or a woman, a different type of mental um, preparation to even want to step into a cage and fight someone who's another human weapon to prepare for a fight. But uh, yeah, kudos for him for even wanting to do that, you know, because again, a lot of people would have said, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to take this paycheck. I'm going to take 30 less punches to the head and elbows and just go home. Instead of surviving, sticking it out and toughing it out, getting to the next round and letting it happen all over again kind of thing. So I give him respect in that regard. But um, again, I, I truly do feel like two arms, three arms, four arms, it doesn't matter what you want to give him. Give this guy octopus legs. That fight's going to end the same exact way. And if he does have two working arms, maybe he gets overzealous and tries to escape, turns and makes a mistake and I get on his back. And then maybe I get the submission easier because he's panicking and thinking he needs to escape to not let me get up on the scorecards on the clock, you know? So there's just so many different scenarios. And again, if the sequence stays the same, I truly feel nothing changes, two arms, whatever. But I don't need to keep repeating that. Um, you guys, I think you understand where I stand on that at this point. Um, so again, thank you, TJ, for being my biggest sponsor. Much appreciated. Um, if you want to run it back, bro, I'm glad he beat that ass one more time. Respectfully. Um, in terms of potential opponents, I don't know what's what's going to be next. I'm on vacation. I saw some Henry Sayudo rumors about <clears throat> Australia. And guys, I haven't spoken to nobody. I haven't spoken to Hunter. I haven't spoken to Sean. I haven't spoken to Dana. Literally have not spoken to anyone. I've been on vacation drinking, hanging out, putting on weight. Just checked the scale this morning. I was 168 and a half pounds already. <laughs> so... Oh, so I'm a big boy already. I, my abs are gone. I don't even want to show you guys because it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Um, as you know, so I'm gonna try to lose weight a little bit because I don't want to. I don't. I hate walking around this heavy because I feel bloated. Uh, but there's no. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but that's never been discussed. We still have to have a sit down and talk about what's the landscape going to look like. What's going to be the best fight? The Seattle fight. I just feel like no one really cares other than the hardcores and maybe the wrestling community. Uh, which is cool, but I think in terms of viewership and numbers, and that's where I'm at right now in my career, trying to maximize while I am in the the, the crown, in the uh, sitting on the throne. I get pay-per-view points. The moment I lose the belt, pay-per-view points are gone. So I got to do what's best for me. And at the same time, I would like to do what's best for the fans, which I think kind of works hand in hand. Usually the biggest fight is the biggest fight that the fans want to see as well. Usually that's typically how it works. So I'm going to sit down and we're going to figure it out and see what's the best one. And if it is Sayudo, I'll gladly kick his ass too. Like the guy is five, two, and I'm not saying he's not dangerous. He's accomplished a lot. And I'm lying. He's like five, four, maybe, maybe four, maybe five, 
five, maybe. I don't know. He's a, he's a much shorter dude, but he's a thick, stocky guy, really talented uh, grappler. He would need to keep it standing. Like the moment that guy kicks, it, it would be a bad decision for him as well. Um, I don't know. I got the range. I could spam kicks on him, and he could catch him and take me down all day long, and I would gladly go to my back, wait for him to do something, and once he closes the distance and allows me to lock my hands and tie him up, we're in a scramble, and we're in a position where it now favors my, someone like myself who's looking to get to the fight to the ground and looking to create those scrambling situations where I can end up on your back. Um, and I don't know if you guys play X-Men or watch X-Men comics, and if you know who Nightcrawler is, he just bams, and then he just disappears all over the place. So you see me right in front of you, bam, I'm on your back. So that's what I legitimately think would happen. I mean, he's tough. He's going to try to keep it standing because that would be his smartest path to victory. And then if we have a kickboxing fight, guys, who do you really think is going to win that? If we stand in a pocket and just have a kickboxing fight, he needs to get inside and make it grimy. The moment he tries to do that, he runs into something. All I have to do is lift my knee. All I have to do is front kick. All I have to do is faint, get him to bite, and if he overcommits, he's in a bad situation. So I like my chances in that fight. I'm not saying I, I win it super easily, but I think that matchup favors me. Um, I mean, he can say whatever he wants to say, but the facts are the facts. Like, he's a smart dude, and I'm sure he's not naive to any of this. So, Henry Sayuto, if you want to make this happen, we can make this happen after we discuss the landscape with the UFC, and then we will see if you are truly the number one and deserving guy. But for right now, I feel like you're still you're still on the sidelines waiting to play with the big boys. All right, so let me just walk you guys down through a fight day scenario. Now, a lot of people don't really understand what this feels like, and I'm going to give you guys an honest assessment on how I feel. Super nervous, very nerve-wracking day. Just imagine yourself training week after week. You're confident, you're doing interviews, you're pumping up the fight, um, you're trying to really talk. Even if you're not talking shit, you're, you're trying to really talk about the strengths and weaknesses of your opponents because people are going to ask you those questions and you got to answer them or you're just going to be a very boring interview. Um, the day finally comes here. Now, for me, I kind of like to be in my own zen, my own world, and I don't really talk much when it's fight day. And I don't really like when people are talking a bunch around me or asking me too many questions. And everyone is different. But for me, this is how I like to prepare myself and get myself into that mental mindset, you know, that mind state of just, yo, man, I'm going into battle. We're taking off the shin guards. We're taking off the headgear. We're taking off the puffy gloves. We got almost as close to bare knuckle as it possibly gets. This is as real as it can get as close to a street fight as it possibly will be. And both of these athletes train for this, you know? Someone's going to be right. Someone's going to be wrong. And you just don't know what it's going to be. And I don't care what anyone tells you. If they say they're not nervous, they're probably going to lose that fight. And that has happened to me. The one time I walked into the octagon, walked into fight day, super relaxed, just chill, laughing, joking around, not even taking it serious that I'm fighting a killer, because they're all killers, but a, a real hammer in Marlon Marais walked into the cage, no nerves. I was just like, eh, I'm really just going to walk through this guy and I'm fighting for a world title after this. And, or probably fighting for a world title after this. And I got sent to the gulags. Not a very fun experience. And ever since then, 
I learned that every fight is very important. Every fight is dangerous. No matter who it is, it could be an unranked guy. They're all dangerous once they have them trained for you. Once they have locked those cage doors behind you, it's you or it's them. So I go through my fight day. I wake up. I stretch. I take my moments to kind of meditate to myself. I play the fight over and over, trying to remind myself of all the things that we did through training camp, the successes, the failures, what worked, visualizing my sequences, how I want to enter, how I want to faint, um, what my opponent might do when they're walking into the cage, when they're announcing their name, and I'm standing across the cage, I'm trying to visualize seeing their face. So it feels familiar when I see you, I feel like I've done this multiple times. And it's nerve wracking. And I think when people are talking to me, it kind of throws me out of that mind state to kind of really hone in and uh, I guess lock in on what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish, which is win. We all want to win. And honestly, it's the most sporadic thing because you can only control your weapons. You can only control what you're going to do. And you never know if your opponent is going to try to do some new things that they've never done before that might throw you off your game a little bit. Or they might come out and go a completely different stance and be completely a, a wild card that you've never even imagined could happen in the fight. So going through that, you know, I eat my breakfast for that one, for this past fight. After I eat, I was supposed to do my morning shakeout at 1130. At 10.30, I pushed it back to 1130 because I felt way too full. Um, just trying to rehydrate. The night before, I had steak dinner. And then when I woke up, and I checked my weight later that night, and then I checked it in the morning, I was only about 150, 50. At night, I was 151 pounds. And in the morning, I didn't check. But I ate breakfast, and after breakfast, I was 151 pounds again. So that means I was even lighter. So I'm thinking, I'm kind of panicking a bit, because I'm like, all right, I need to put this weight on. Because normally, I would eat like pasta and steak, or pasta and a bunch of different chickens and things like that to really... Soak in the extra carbs that just sit and stick to the body and really help fill me out. I felt good. Like physically, I felt good. But I was like, man, I need to be heavier. I'm not used to fighting this light. I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't know if it's going to be bad. But I had all day. So I did the shakeout. I checked everything. And then I finally broke 152 pounds. And that made me feel a lot better. Chilled out that entire day. Um, took another nap. Just getting to relax. Lock in. Zone in. So now these weeks... Now turn to days. These days now turn to hours. And then we're in the back room. I'm kind of panicking again because we were supposed to report downstairs at 9.15 to head to the arena. And mind you, the main car started at 10 for us. So I'm possibly fighting at 11.30 maybe. We leave the arena at 9.37. I still have to do USADA. And then we get down there early. They don't leave because we have to wait for another team. So now I'm just like, guys, can we please just head over to the arena? It's literally right there. I, like, I, I'm ready to walk as a warm-up because I like to get there and feel comfortable. I don't want to feel rushed. I don't want to feel like I need to sprint and get everything ready and then my heart rate's thinking about things that I don't need to be thinking about. You know, I get distracted all fight week with all the other nonsense. But in that day, that's the only thing that matters. How you feel on fight day and how you feel when you step into the cage. I swear, you could have had the worst training camp, but if your confidence is in a different place and if your mindset is in a different place on fight day for those 15 or 25 minutes, that is a game changer, 100%. That is the most valuable thing that you can have when you can lock in on game day and you know those people who are in the room and they're dogs and not the good dog. You know, they're just kind of like sloths in there. And you're like, 
this person's not that hardworking and they're kind of lazy. But then when they get in there or any type of competition, they have like this, this look, they have this feel, they have this aura, and it's a different type of energy that they give. You know, that, that game day, I'm a game day person. So for me, I, I like to perform in the gym to get the confidence. But then it, again, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that day of the fight. So we get the back room. I'm doing USADA. USADA takes about 20 minutes. Mind you, we got there at 937. Now when we get there, we have to do all this camera stuff, walk into the arena. That takes almost another 10 minutes. It's almost another 10 minutes. Then I get in with USADA. I take my shit off right away. I'm like, yo, where's USADA? I held my pistol that I can just do this right now. Just filling out the paperwork, no tablet. So now I'm going through the paperwork. It's taking me about 20 minutes. And I told the guy, I'm like, please, I need to get warmed up. So after I finished everything, he locked everything. I'm like, yo, can I go? And you can just bring everything to me later. And if I have to sign anything extra after I sign all these other stuff, he said, yes. Okay, boom. Now I can leave. Now we're, it's over 10. It's, it's past 10. So now, remember, I'm fighting at about 11-ish, 11.30. So I got to hustle and I still got to get my hand wraps. The hand wrapping procedure takes about 15 minutes itself. So now I'm, I'm still like, dude, I need to just start. So we started, we started warming up, no gloves, no hand wraps on. I'm in there with Benil Darius. He's looking like a savage. I'm like, dude, I feel like I'm, I'm like bringing bad energy to his space right now because I'm kind of like a little antsy and getting a little frantic. I'm like, dude, I, I just, I just want to get ready to go. The gloves don't fit. They're cutting into my knuckles. The guys are trying to break it in. I'm like, if everything that could go wrong on fight day is literally going wrong right now, moments before I'm about to walk out to this octagon. That is the worst feeling that you could possibly have. And I just feel like, oh my God, this is about to be an absolute disaster. Am I about to lose because of all this other outside shit? And I had to remind myself, Focus on what you could focus on. The guys were telling me like, hey, don't worry about it. Just, just focus on you, champ. I, I hate when people call me champ. Um, um, like my friends. I don't like when my friends call me champ because it, it feels like it feels like they're treating me different, you know? So again, I don't, I'm not like that. You know, I like to just, you my boy, man, with boys, that's it. Aljo, call me Aljo, call me Aljamain. But if I don't know you, motherfucker, you better, Mr. Champ, sir. <laughs> so <laughs> we get there, they tell me to calm down, like relax, I'm like, yeah, I'm just frustrated, you know, because this is not the way I envisioned the thing. I wanted everything to go as smooth as possible. So now, again, it looks like I just thrive in chaos. We finally get to warm up. They're telling us, hey, how much time do we have? I get my hands right. We finally get to get through everything. The glove is still cutting into my finger. I'm like, it is what it is. I'm, there's nothing I could do at this point. And uh, now they're coming to the back room five minutes. They come back to the back room one minute. Now we're going out. We're making a walk. The song drops. I'm in the back room. I'm down on my knees. And I'm just taking in the last bit of relaxation I could possibly have and just trying to center myself and just find my happy place and find that comfort in being uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable, knowing that this fight may result in me spending the night in the hospital. And I have to come to terms with that and let that be a possible reality. And at the same time, tell myself, but no matter what, the ships have been burnt and we are here to fight. Doesn't matter what happens in there. Doesn't matter how much it hurts. We're going to fight through everything. I even told Mark Goddard. I talked a lot of shit. Coming into this matchup to build it. And let me take my ass whooping like a man. If it happens. And let me go out on my shield. That was it. That was my attitude. You know. So 
you have to shift your mindset from going like the smiling Al Jermaine who's always hanging around, playing around with his friends and his boys and cracking jokes and whatnot to this dark, cold, dude, it's you or it's me. And obviously you guys watch the fights and uh, the fight is the fight and the rest is history. So it's a, it's a very interesting feeling how the whole mindset shifts and everything. And then once the bout concludes, man, it's like this big relief that comes off of your shoulder. And I'm not gonna lie. I felt, you know, it felt very, very satisfying to win like that. The only thing that I will say is I, I was left wanting more from TJ because I felt like, is this your King? Is this the guy that was like Prince Tashala versus Killmonger that's supposed to come in here and overthrow me and throw me off the cliff? And I didn't feel that, you know? Um, I felt like once the, we locked it up and we threw strikes, I'm exchanging, I felt like my strikes were cleaner than his. He might have looked a little bit better, but I felt like my strikes were a little bit more accurate. I felt like my movement felt a little less a little more effortless than his. I mean, this is how I felt in the moment. So I don't know how it looked on the outside. I still need to watch it back again. And I'm just really happy. But again, that's a much better night in the office than having to end up in the hospital. But I left wanting more because of how I built it up in my head of what it might actually look like and feel like in terms of pain level. Um, and thank, thank God, man. You know, not every time you get out of the office on scape like that, and if anything, I feel like that makes me feel like um, I'm really levels above the competition or maybe just really levels above TJ, you know? So, ah, crazy. I, I, I get like um, goosebumps and chills every time I talk about it um, in detail like that because I really have to put myself back in that moment. And uh, fortunate, man, I'm blessed. I'm happy in life. You know, my my financial plan has finally been hit and I still got a lot more fights to go. So it's only going to get better from here. And it can, I mean, even with losing, it, can, it can't get worse, if that makes sense, in terms of the stuff that I wanted to accomplish. I've done it. And now it's just like conquering new things, you know. So now I can focus on the rum company. I can focus on the other stuff, other ventures that I want to get done. And uh, hopefully I can really bring in the right pieces and right puzzles of people with the proper personalities that will fit and mesh well with mine. And we can work together and really start to do good things and capitalize while the iron is hot kind of thing. So again, man, it, it really truly is a, a blessing. It still feels very surreal to be in this position. And I just want to thank the fans again, because again, without you guys, and I try to engage with you guys as much as I can. People tell me I should stay off social media. But guys, if I honestly did that, like what fun would that really be if all the athletes did that? Like you guys would have no access to any of us. We would be like the basketball teams and all that where they come in and you really only see them when they're on the court. There's no meet and greets and things like that. Like I would, I go out on my way sometimes set those things up and just take pictures with fans for an hour or two just because that's myself feeling, the, giving the appreciation and fan love back, you know, and those are paid for, but the ones with the UFC and stuff like that, obviously those are paid for, but that's just the type of personality that I am in this space. And I hope, I hope people appreciate that. I can't make you appreciate it, but if you do great, that means, you know, you, you get it. Like, like we don't have to do these things and I want to make myself semi accessible because I still feel like I'm the everyday person that walks the street like you. 
Um, so that's my piece on everything. Um, I know people are talking about the Yan fight. I, I really got, I got some interviews I got to do. So I'm going to talk about this quickly. The Yan versus O'Malley fight. I really didn't know which way that was going to go. I felt like both guys had like really high level tools to win the fight. And the fight went which way I kind of thought it was going to go, like a little bit of back and forth. And the only other thing I could have saw is maybe one guy buzz saws the other guy, like Sean lands a kill shot early, fights over, and catches um, Jan being aggressive and counters him cleanly. And Jan just buzz sawing through him, making Sean miss a shot, cutting him off, and then dropping him. Round one was really hard to score. It reminded me of my fight with Jan the, first, the second time. Very, very tough round to score. I have to go back and watch it to see how much damage Sean did versus the control that Jan had in round one. And did that control time outweigh the damage that was done in round one from Sean? Because I don't think Sean landed that much strikes to make it go, oh, yeah, he definitely won. But if you count it up, maybe it's you can make the argument that, yeah, Sean definitely won the round based on damage over control. And I don't know if, Sean, if, if Jan did much damage in that round coupled with his control time to say, yeah, he should have won the fight that round. Now, if Jan did damage and got control time, then I, can't, I, I agree that Jan should have won round one. Watching the fight while warming up in the back room, I felt like Jan won the fight. Round two, Jan definitely won in my book. Um, based on what I was able to see as I'm getting warmed up and pumping myself up and locking in. And then round three, I felt it was close until that knee landed from, from Amali. He started to put on some real finishing touches that looked like it was going to get Jan out of there late. And Jan weathered the storm, took him down again, but I thought Omali did enough to win that round, landed significant damage. That, that knee was nasty, cut him open bad. And uh, both guys rocked each other. Amali being able to stay in there and hang with him, he showed a couple of things. Amali can freaking fight. I've been saying this for for years now at this point. Amali's tough. He showed his toughness, and Amali belongs in the top of the division. So we got those questions answered. Now you look at Jan. He leaves these fights really, really close sometimes. But again, when you have a striking matchup like that, and that's why I feel like guys who could come in and wrestle Jan can change and dictate the pace of the fight because they can neutralize them altogether. And now if you're up on the scores or the striking is even and then you have the control time, you win the fight over a tough, savage like Piotr Jan. I don't know what he's really going to do if he's going to look to exercise his right to leave the UFC and go to another promotion. I think that would be ill-advised because I still think he's one of the best in the world. If not, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. One of the best in the world. Um Raise a thin fight. I don't think it was a robbery by any means. Sean did what enough what he needed to do. In the moment, it looked like Sean didn't even think that he won the fight. Jan felt like he definitely won the fight. And I know what that feels like. And uh, I felt bad for Piotr. And I'm happy for Sean. And uh, it was just one of those. It was a really good fight, man. That's the, that's the best I could say about that. And Dana said the winner of that fight would get the title shot. He backtracked a little bit or a lot of bit. Um... He did a, a full 180. <laughs> so we'll see what's going to happen between what happens for him, what happens for Jan, what happens for me. Again, this bandwidth division is hot. And when you've got guys like this who are super popular, people want to be dialed in and tuned in to watch these guys. Really good fight. Um, Sean is a true player in this division. And with that said, I finish him in one. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. He's a, He would be hard for me to get a hold of because of his footwork. 
And I think he'll be smart enough not to throw any kicks because if he throws the kicks, he's on one foot and allows me to close the distance really, really quickly and takes away any chance of him landing a kill shot while on one foot. So um, it would be an interesting matchup to say the least, and we'll see what happens in the future. I look forward to maybe sharing the octagon with him one day. And for right now, I'm on vacation, guys. I want to try to do some movies. I want to try to do some other stuff. I got some stuff lined up already. And while I'm in the spotlight, I'm going to take advantage of this because this ain't promise. I can literally get hurt tomorrow, today, and never be able to compete again. So I'm living it up. I'm thankful. I'm grateful for the love, for the support, for the hate, for the detraction, because this is what makes the sport fun. You don't have to like me. There's so many different fighters you can like. You don't have to like me. You don't have to hate me. Like There's so many different personalities and people that you can gravitate to, and that's what makes this very, very... Um, I get, yeah, it just makes it fun, man, because there's so many different athletes out there, and we have the option and the luxury to pick. And for me, I'm such a big fight fan. I watch everybody. And uh, I think it goes to show, like, me taking pictures with everybody. I didn't get to get to everyone because I was kind of nervous to do it because I felt like I was being a fanboy, which I am. I'm a fanboy of the sport. I respect and admire everyone's skill set. I take piece, bits and pieces from everybody. I coach MMA. I help my guys out with the team. Um, I'm back here in Long Island so I can help Matt Favola for his fight November 12th and to help Dennis Bazooka for his fight November 19th. This is what I do, man. I live, breathe, eat, sleep, and man. This is really almost all I do. So thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy the show. I'll see you guys later. I got a couple of things I got to do, some interviews. I'm already late. Um, don't forget gfuel.com. Use my promo code ALJO for 30% off for the rest of October. And after October, it's going to go down to 20%. So rack them up. Tell them I sent you and everything else. I'll see you guys later. Peace.